You know, when in these last couple of weeks, there's been so many speakers speaking in the house. Has everyone gone deaf? Yeah, well, these last couple of months, there's been so many people speaking in the church, which you've had a buffet of variety, which has been very, very good. So where I used to might get two or three weeks in a go, my sessions, not sessions, my messages get staggered. But that's okay, because I would rather have people speaking rather than just one voice. It's been really encouraging to, to hear and to listen to couples having a go, speaking for the first time, second time, learning to, to, to develop this craft called ministry. It's not preaching, it's ministry. Amen? Why? Because I did, you didn't turn up to listen to a preacher. You, you should be expect to be ministered to. But not all preachers can minister. All preachers preach, but not all carry the grace to minister to people. When it says the word is sharp and it goes beyond joint and marrow, some preachers don't know how to get that, that deep. They don't know how to separate from spirit and soul. So when you minister, you've got to learn to use the word accurately so it can go beyond flesh and blood. It can divide spirit from the soul. It can divide joint from the marrow. That's deep. That word has to go deep in order for it to do that. Amen? And they're learning to do that. And you're learning to receive from that. So that's good. You're learning, they're learning, we're all learning. Amen? So, like I just used an analogy of statues. It's like when I finish speaking, it's almost like I put you on hold on that particular area. And then when I come back to speak, it's like I press the the replay button. Or I take it off pause. And then we just carry on and that's what I want to do this morning I just want to take the pause button off and continue literally from where I last left off was when I was talking spoke to you about why do we need to awaken love because it's important that we we must understand that love has to be kept awake just as much as love needs to be awakened you can't keep something Awake if it's not been awoke. True? So the moment I fell in love with Carol, something called what we call love was awoke. Now, 30 odd years later, 34 years later, I still have to keep what was originally awoke and stirred now has to be kept in full bloom. How many of you know that? So... We need to hit the play button on this thing and keep on going. I talked about Samson. Do you remember? Samson and how Samson allowed himself to be overcome by the Philistines. Simply because what he thought was love was not love. He chose the wrong partner. She duped him. And uh, Samson, Samson, I love you. And all she did was manipulate him. If you really love me, then tell me the secret of your strength. And if you don't tell me, I'm going to cry all night. And I'm going to manipulate you, manipulate you, manipulate. Oh, yeah, ladies, you know how to cry. You know how to get what you want. But that's not love. That's not love. Bible says, I didn't say you, I said the Bible says, that manipulation is like the sin of witchcraft. 
You cannot use that kind of soulish behavior to get what you want. The Bible's very clear about that. He said because it comes from the wrong source. God did not do that to you to awaken love in you. God gave you a free choice to respond to him. Amen? And that free will to respond to love is everything. God gives, but you have the opportunity to respond. But once you respond, that's it. Game's on. What He who began a good work in you. So something was awoke in you at that point. We'll continue, right? But that doesn't mean say God will do it on his own. God can't do it on his own. Why? Because he needs your compliance. He needs you to walk with him in faith so that what he started in you can continue. And when you walk with him in compliance, the promise is that which was begun in you will be brought to completion. But it's not brought to completion without compliance. How many of you know that? A good, come on, are you all awake this morning? Come on, you've just had some good praise this morning. You should be full of, should be full of beans. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. For just in a little while, how, how, how long? A little while. a little while. He who is coming will come and will not delay. So he's coming and he won't delay. But my righteous ones will live by faith. Do we have any righteous ones here this morning? But do we have any ones who are living by faith? And if he, she, they shrink back, guess what? I'm not going to be pleased with him, her, or them, or they. But we're not of those. We're not of that company. We are not of that company who shrink back and are destroyed. Why? Because we're the company who believe that what God started in us needs to be completed. Because what God awoke in me, I'm eager to see what the finish looked like. Aren't you? Aren't you eager to see what the finishing line looks like? And at the same time, you and I are going to wish we'd have spent a bit more attention on some detail. That is for sure. But the point is, when you get to the end, the end is the end. There's no more time. You can't say, can I go back? Can you give me two more years? If I'd have only just done, we don't want that kind of regret mentality. I want to finish strong. I want to finish strong. But in the meantime, my biggest battle is in my mentality, my compliance, because every day I face the fear and you face the fear and the possibility of shrinking back. There's nothing worse than when you fall in love and then the other partner begins to pull back. Anybody had that feeling? When you, first fall in, when you first fall in love, your first love, your first love. Now, your first love can be a, kick, a killer because if the other person doesn't feel the same way and you've risked everything and you've given everything only for them to pull back, it hurts. It hurts. I remember at 14 crying. Having these feelings, this girl, and my language at that time wasn't pleasant. Because she'd hurt me. She'd hurt me real bad, Shane. She'd hurt me real bad. And, 
<laughs> she let me real bad. Because she, she awoke something in me and then couldn't carry it through. Which was, okay, we learn. We have to take a few hits, don't we? So we know when the real thing's here. Yeah? Now, if you fell in love for the first time and you married Mr. First Love or Mrs. First Love, fantastic. Fan, dabby, dozy. I didn't. I had to kind of learn what true love is. But just in a very little while, the one who I love is returning. Now, if my lover goes away on holiday, and she truly is my lover, and she goes away, her absence should make my heart grow. So when she returns, I should be all excited. It should be like the puppy smelling the master coming through the door. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> or maybe not, yeah. So she gets off the plane or gets off the bus. <laughs> She's getting back on the bus, yeah. <laughs> no, we're in the wrong place, yeah. Because giddiness is part of love. It's part of that play thing and it's good. It's good to be giddy at the right time at the right moment, and certainly in the right place. We must all live with this consensus that Jesus Christ is coming back. Because this is a fundamental aspect to our faith. The Bible calls it the blessed hope. It's the great hope that he said he would not leave us like orphans, but he would come back. And so we live for that day when Jesus Christ will come back, and as he comes back, it's, it's the full 3HD, 4K, what is it that these new TVs for, what? 4K, colour, technicolour, his angels are coming, he's coming, the whole band's coming, trumpet's coming, saxophone's with him. It's all there in technicolour dream. And the Bible says, I want, you to, I want you to know that because that puts a hope. Because that's, your love should, should belong for that moment. Because at that moment, are you ready for this? At that moment, you see him as he is. So, he takes the, the veil off your eyes. Right? No, there's not a veil on my heart, but there's a veil so I can actually see him and handle seeing him. Yeah? What a moment. Why? Because he wants to show us that that which was begun in you, that which I began in you, you fostered, you took care of it, you, you were diligent in looking after that seed that we know is called love. And now I'm here, I want to show you that it was more than worth it. It was worth the heartache. It was worth the pain. It was worth the sorrow. It was worth the beatings. It was worth the persecution. It was even worth martyrdom. Yeah. You don't just serve an invisible God. He is a real living person. And the Bible tells us when he comes back again... We will not only be caught up with him, but we will see him as he is. This, this truth, I almost say concept, it's more than a concept. It's a truth, this reality, is what keeps the church looking. The moment we don't believe Jesus can return or will return, our only hope is I'll die and then I'll see him. But this is such a, a, a key aspect of our Christianity that our faith... Hey, listen, Mohammed isn't coming back. 
No other God on the earth promised he'd come back like this. No other God. You know why? Because they're not gods and they're all dead. Jesus said, announced himself, proclaimed himself, declared, I'm the way. I'm the only one. Look around, Mohammed. Yadid. Yadid. And I'm going to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus himself. Isn't that amazing? As my granddaughter says, amazing. Amazing granddad. I love it the way she says amazing. The disciples had this very moment and encounter that Jesus said he's going to give the church. If you look in our Bibles in Matthew 17 verse 1, he said after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, John, the brother of James, and he led them up to a, a mountain. The God who moves the mountains. He led them on a mountain. God loves mountains. There's something about God that he likes mountains. He just likes to get to the highest point. And, you know, that picture, I always think it, I always think it looks a bit like Dan Tilbrook. That picture at the back. And I, like Paul's good that he picked up that this morning, the glow, the mountain, all that kind of stuff. And we know, we know it can't be some people because some people will never open their arms and lift their hands. We know he's charismatic. So we know that. But there are some aspects of denominationalism where that picture wouldn't have no relevance. But we're not of that company. But God loves mountains and he, he loves them enough to take some of his pals up on the mountain. Take some of his pals You and I are going to see my dad. I'm going to show you what lies beyond. And Jesus at this point is giving them a second awakening. Because they've already been awoken to the fact that Jesus is Christ. They're making that journey. They're on that process. Or in that process. But now as he takes them up the mountain, he's saying I'm going to accelerate something in you now. I'm going to confirm what you already know, but then I'm going to deposit into you a second dimension. I'm going to show you me dad. Do you want to meet me dad? Oh, yes, please. So we now text him up the mountain. Now, the dictionary gives the definition of the word awakening, and it says this, the act of starting to understand. Yeah? Something or feel something. So it's the act or starting to understand something or feel something. The beginning or rousing of something. So when God awakens something in you, it's the beginning and the process of you beginning to understand and feel something. Yes? How many of you know we need to understand what is ahead of us? We need to understand what we don't understand. Understand? We know that we're numb in some areas. So we need to feel something. True? We need to be awoke and awakened in certain areas where we're asleep and dead. Yes? I know in some areas I'm dead. In other areas I'm asleep. In other areas I'm awake. And yet in other areas I'm alive. 
Does that make sense? Maybe you might feel those stages in your own life. And here he is, he's trying to allow them to feel something so that there's an understanding then given to them because there's so much more of God that you and I have not yet seen, touched or heard. And the more you walk with God and the more you live for God, the more you'll see that this God is not a guy that sits in clouds. God is much bigger than... Do you think God did all this so he could just sit on a cloud? Really, get a different perspective of what your teachers taught you at school or in your previous church. So God uses distinct triggers in our life to bring us alive in certain areas. Yeah? Now, who's never... Or who's not ever felt pain? We've all felt pain. We all know what it feels like. Now, have I said to you, what men have ever had child labor pains? No man. So there's degrees of pain that we're all that are common and yet uncommon. True? But a woman's never had a cold. Because that's a man flu, and that's different from babies. God knows that when it's man flu, certain types are super needed. It's a ministry to men. Ladies, you'll never know what man flu looks like, feels like. It's true. (laughs) So there's distinct triggers. So Jesus walks alongside them as he takes them up the mountain. Jesus is always at the side or in the front of us. He's close enough to lead us. Or she's, he's, he's further enough to lead us, but close enough to relate with us. Yeah? He's, he's further ahead of us to lead us, but he's close enough to relate with us. That's so important. So many people are so far in front that they can't, They're they're just a person taking a walk. They're not leading anyone. And because they're so far in front, they're never close enough to relate. Amen? So, he walks alongside them. And all they had to do was follow. All they had to do was follow. How many of you know, maybe you've never realized this, but following sometimes can be one of the most difficult things to do. All you've got to do is follow me. Yeah, it sounds. Did, did, did you get the brief? Did you get the memo? Did you get the email? Yes. Just follow me. And yet, you and I have so much difficulty just in that simple instruction follow me. Why is that? Well, there's a million reasons. There's a million reasons why we find following God so difficult. In Matthew 4 19, he says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers, fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. So what was the instruction? Follow me. There was a promise that came from the instruction, I will make you. From the instruction came a promise. Because God knows the principle of the carrot and the stick. God invented the carrot and the stick. That's a metaphor for Risk and reward. Yeah? If you risk your life for Christ, you will be rewarded. And Jesus knows that there has to be some incentives for you and I to keep on following him. So he makes you promises. 
But unlike many people on the earth, they don't fulfill the promises. But Jesus said every promise you can take to the bank. He's never made a promise that he could not answer and fulfill. You've got to know him to know that. You have to know him to know that. In my life, there's times when I thought he forgot a promise he made to me. And then suddenly and then immediately, God answered the prayer. But you've got to know that God and follow that God. Now, the time frame between God answering his promise, right? Listen to this. You need to know this. The time frame for God to answer what he promised. What do you think you should, be keep on, you should do in the meantime? What's the instruction? Follow me. Well, Lord, when are you going to answer? He just turns around and goes, what did I tell you? Follow me. But, but, however, what if, why? Follow me. But I demand answers. Follow me. I made it very clear to the disciples. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then he brings, he waits them for an acknowledgement to be made and a reciprocal action taken. What does that mean? At once they, what does it say there? They followed him at once. So they acknowledged what Jesus said. Then they responded by saying, or by thinking and doing, immediately they followed him. They put down their nets and they followed him. What we want to do is we want God to hold to his promise while we keep hold of our nets. That's called a win-lose. You win, God loses. But God works on win-win. God doesn't want to win and lose. God wants you to win and he wants him to win. So he wants to go, he always goes for a win-win. And the Holy Ghost will lead you in all truth so that a win-win becomes doable. True? But you and I spend all our time asking God, why is it, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Why haven't you done this? And we keep asking and undermining and challenging and belittling and da-da-da-da-da-da. And all he does is turn around and he says, I don't have to explain more than what I've already explained. This is the thing about, beautiful thing about raising kids. There's very similar parallels. Every time a kid challenges something, you and I feel we have to keep coming up with new wisdom. No, we don't. If I have a piece of wisdom and I explain and then the kid keeps saying why, I've just told you. So tomorrow when they try to come at me from another angle, I told you yesterday. And then when they come at me a week later with the same argument again and they say, but why? Because I already told you last week. I don't have to keep changing my story. Why? Because truth is truth. Wisdom is wisdom. They don't like the word no. Kids are not built for no. They rebel against the word no. And now they do that, they say, why? What if? 
And they keep pushing and pushing and pushing, demanding that you give a different explanation that leads to a yes. But no is still no. And you just got to stick to the script and wave it out. Knuckle them down and bore them to death. Because it's still the truth. Is that not right? Now, you all know it. And you keep thinking, how am I going to answer that question today? Like you answered it yesterday. Well, they don't like that. Who cares? It's not my responsibility to keep having to come up with creative ways to tell you the word no. I've just helped someone up one right there. Yeah. <laughs> Phil will tell you, I'm a, I'm, I do this all the time. When you come to me with a problem... And then you come to me again with a problem, I'm going to hold you to what I said the first time. Because it's still the truth and it's still wisdom. Ah, yeah, but what if? There is no yeah, but what ifs. I'll show you from the scripture. I'll show you from wisdom. Da-da-da. That's, that's what you've got to do. Ah, but I... So there has to be a command. If love is going to stay awake, love has to follow commands. Hello? Love has to know how to receive a command when it comes. You know, me and my wife, married the length of time we have, sometimes I have to bring instruction to Carol, and other times she brings it to me. And I've got to realize that when an instruction comes, and it comes from my wife, there's certain times when she speaks, I go, don't argue, Tony. Just shut up. You're not going to win. Just take it. Right? You know, when, you, know, you know, we've all had the certain look, haven't we? Yeah. And you know, you just know, second look, she'll kill you. So you just learn to fall in line and do it. Why? Because you know, there's no, there's no moving here. There's no moving. So I'll just bide my time. And then I'll try and talk about it another time. And I'm, I'm talking, generally speaking here, there's sometimes when an instruction has to come to us from our partner, why? Because it's for our good. Love has to have the platform to send commands or instruction is a better word, not command, instructions. Love also needs to know how to acknowledge what is being said. Love also needs to have the willingness and the humility to put your nets down. That's your argument. Love needs to know how to then join with the person and so that the journey can be made in harmony. This is how you keep love awake. If I expect my wife to listen to me in every account, how many of you know that's not love? That's autocracy. That's not the same. So we must learn to take command, respond, Put the nets down. Your own individual argument. You must learn. If you have to be right every time, you are so wrong. Because even though you might be right in, in the spirit of you trying to be right, you're wrong. Because, you, because you're going the wrong way about it. True? Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. That works both ways. So, put down your nets... If you, want to keep your love, if you want to keep your love awake in your relationship with your wife, your family, with Jesus Christ, you've got to identify what those nets are. What are those things that cause me doing 
the opposite. What are those things that keep me going in the wrong direction? What grievances, what arguments, what thought patterns, what likes and dislikes, and da-da-da-da-da. You've got to work out what your nets symbolize in your relationship. Because either way, those nets will actually catch you and hold you and contain you if you don't put them down. So Jesus knew to a fisherman, and he didn't call them to become fishermen. When he said, put your nets down, follow me and I'll make you. He didn't say, I'll make you fishermen. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. Completely different. He gave them a picture of their future. You know, when you stand at the altar and you get married and you're all gooey-eyed and you're looking at each other. And you say, with all that I have, I give to you. You say that because you've got nothing. You're skint at that point. You've used all your money on your wedding. You ain't got any money to give. But then you start accumulating things. Then let's see if you can stand at the altar and say, with all that I have, I give to thee. Come on, be honest. Someone help David back in. David, can you help David in? He stood there. And the issue is this, is we have to learn to let go of what we own. Love is giving yourself away. It's not acquiring, it's giving away. And in the, in the giving away, you acquire. You don't, it's not reversal. So, if I just take an, an average seven days of your life or my life, and let's say those seven days can be seven years. Those seven days... And those seven years can be seven decades. Do you get the picture? We'll say one day, but a day can be like a year. A year can be like a decade. I'll use this illustration. How your love begins to wane and wander, drift and shift. Monday, I've been to church on the Sunday. I got the word. I'm happy. I smiled. I had a panini. I'm okay, Kathy's back on, which it is. Kathy's back on. And Jesus said to you on the Sunday, tomorrow, David, we're going up the mountain. I'm going to show you my dad. I'm going to show you my father. That was Sunday's promise. So Monday, he says, we're going to begin the journey. We're going up the mountain. I'm all excited. I'm going up the mountain. So now you walk hand in hand with Jesus you're going up the mountain because it's Monday. You, you know, you've been to church on Sunday. You've had your panini. You've had your coffee. You're full. You're filled. And you've got the faith to start Monday's journey. So, yes, Lord, I heard what the pastor said yesterday. I'm going to hold your hand today. And we're going up the mountain. Yes, we're going up the mountain. Because the floodgates of heaven will open up on that journey. So, Monday, you're full of faith. Your stature and your position and faith was fixed on Monday. Yeah? Let's go to Tuesday. You allow your hands on Tuesday. Now remember, this is a day. This could symbolize a year. This could symbolize a decade. On Tuesday, you gently notice, oh, excuse me, you gently unnoticeably, your hand slips out of his hand. You're still close to him. You haven't shrunk back in your faith. You're still making the journey up the mountain. Yeah? But at the same time, you're no longer walking hand in hand with him. You 
are in church, you love him, but, you, but you're not necessarily walking hand in hand with him. But you're still close. But nevertheless, from Monday to Tuesday, something changed, but you are unconscious of it. Yes? And it's what you're unconscious of becomes dangerous. So there's areas in our love with God that we have become unconscious in. We're not at the same place we was before, but because we still got some activity around us, and we still get blessed, we say, well, I must, I'm still close, it's okay. But some things have changed. Let's go to Wednesday. You're now Wednesday's child. Jesus is now, your relationship, you could say that Jesus is now two or three paces in front of you. Meaning that you're behind him. And distance is beginning to form. You see this? And Jesus now turns to you through the preaching of the word. And you keep hearing this word. You're falling back. Change. Things are not the same as they used to be. Change. And God's trying to awaken you at that point because he turns around and he's trying to say to you, follow me. And Jesus knows there's a distance now beginning to be created between you and him and his father. So he turns around through the preaching and he's trying to communicate to you, son, pay attention. You're shrinking back. Now that can go on for a year. Ten years you can be in that place. And every time you come to church, you keep hearing God remind you of the distance that lies between you and him. This make sense? You bet it makes sense. You feel at this point that you have, you don't have the capacity to close the gap. But you don't get on your knees and do something about it. You expect him to stop. <laughs> and as a result of your intensity and your, your lack of intensity and capacity, Jesus keeps walking. Why? Because he's a leader. He is a leader. Now, don't say to me, he's going to come back. For, he's going to leave the 99 and come back to me. I'll show you in a minute how that happens. That's not a justification for you to stop. So we go to Thursday now, shall we? Okay. We're only gone four days, so look how far you are. <laughs> this is how typical church works. You now stop as you easily become distracted. But you can... Here in the background, Jesus shouting, come on, what did I tell you? You're falling behind. Something is wrong between you and me. Now you slowly are becoming conscious of the fact that this gap, but I don't know how to make that journey. I don't know how to make that journey no more. I've lost hope. And you drifted so far behind that... uh, from Monday's picture to Thursday, you're now falling and I fell asleep in your relationship with God. You sit here, if you even do come to church, 
you're closed off, you're asleep, you have no idea what anything's being said, what's going on around you, you just have no idea. You have now become desensitized to the word voice of God. Because inside, internally, you've gone to sleep. Hello? I know none of you have been there. Friday, you're aware that things have changed and the distance now lies between you and God and you're concerned. You cry out asking Jesus to stop walking and wait for him. You expect him to stop, but he doesn't and he keeps on leaning. So what you do now at this point, even though you know you're falling asleep and you can't make the, the capacity, you try the psychological, emotional blackmail on him. I won't, I'll serve you if you come here. I'll serve you, God, if you do this. I'll serve you, God. It's not my fault, but if you do this for me, God, and then you try to blackmail on God, but God doesn't stop. Because God knows a terrorist when one speaks. And God never negotiates with a terrorist. A rebellious terrorist at that. God, no matter how much you complain and moan, God, if you don't do this, God, if you don't do that, God will just keep on walking because God's God. God is God. Then we come to Saturday. <laughs> Nothing's changed, but you know Sunday's coming. Jesus is still leading. You're still trailing behind. A bit like Man United in the Premier League. Jesus is still leading, you're falling behind, so you're no longer following. You've been there now for quite some time blaming God. That it's his fault and their fault for you creating the distance between him and you. You blame everything else and everyone. And Jesus says, you still haven't got it yet, have you? You're the problem. You're the problem. You use everything around you to mask what is not right between you and me. And you know, if someone came up to you and said, I'm sorry for what I did, you and I still wouldn't be right. Yeah, because at the heart of the issue is the issue of your heart. Yeah, that's the truth. And your heart, in that situation is closed. It's asleep. There's no pulse. But Jesus is still leading up the mountain. He's still going to the mountain. Why? Because he wants you to see what he knows. But he still keeps on leading. But you think he's not the good shepherd because he didn't stop. He's good enough to keep leading because he knows if he keeps leading, at some point, you just might call out and come to him where he is. Rather than him come to you where you are. See, he looks to see if you and I are willing to make the journey to where he is before he comes to you. See, you've got to remember something about Jesus. He's past, present and future. He didn't leave his position to come to you. He's still where he was. He's still where he is, and he's still where you can't see him. That's the wonderful thing about Jesus. So Sunday comes, you reluctantly come to church, you listen, but you listen, 
And so that as you listen, you increasingly become convicted. And now God's starting to do a little bit of heart massage. He's trying to get the boom, boom, mouth to mouth, a little bit of, you know, what do they call it? Resuscitation. And he's putting his hand on your heart and he's pushing to see if he can create a pulse within you. He's trying to awaken the love that has gone to sleep. The same, same Jesus that you were complaining left you and abandoned you is the same one now when he's speaking here this morning trying to resuscitate your heart. Yeah? Can you see this? But you don't know how he's doing it. You're not aware sometimes how he does it. But he knows when you're asleep and he tries to push a couple of mouth inflations and breath of the spirit. Pushing, pushing of the word, breathing of the spirit. Amen? And that distance between you and him, deep starts calling to deep. In the roar of his waterfall. Because out of him comes living waters. And out of you should come living waters. So he begins to call deep to the deep. Why? Because he knew what he put in you. He knew it's asleep. He knew it was awake. So he calls into what's deep and what's been lost and what's now become hidden. He speaks into that and he commands it like Lazarus to come alive. But he's waiting for your response. Life is not an issue. It can bring you back to life. It's whether the other side, you, is willing to respond to what he's trying to do in you. Does that make sense? So suddenly a flash comes upon your life. And you remember... That the hands that once reached out to you all those years ago is suddenly are being reached out to you again. And at that point, you then begin to put your hands out and say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. I've gone wrong. I've done my own thing. I blamed everybody else. And at that point, you begin to sense that you have been awoken by love. You sense the love. You respond to that love. You receive that love. And guess what? You're back in church on a Sunday. But you still need to get going again on Monday. So we repeat the same cycle over and over again. Monday is the best day. Why? Because it's where, your hand, where you were holding his hand. Monday was the great day because it's where he was leading you up the mountain. It's where you had faith. It's where you had word. It's where you had hope that I can make this journey with him. My father's holding my hand. I am secure. Monday was your best day. But six days were spent in decline. Six days, slowly but surely, gradually, you entered into decline. Now, not everybody gets that full cycle. Some of us stay on a Wednesday. Do you understand the, the process here? And then on that Sunday, when you reach out to him, you realize that the good shepherd never left you. While he was leading the 99, and he'll always lead the 99. 
He came to you on the Sunday and it looked like he only came back for you. But he was visiting a lot more in the same room at the same place at the same time. You just thought it was just you. Does that make sense? Oh, this is good. What really happened in that whole process? God waited for you, but God didn't stop. Don't ever confuse waiting with stopping. Jesus does not stop. He can, why? Because he's about his father's work. And there's a, there, there, there's a word in the Bible called the great consummation. That means where everything that was spoken, past, present, and prophetically future, must happen at some point. It's called the great consummation. Jesus, through his church, he's working to bring everything to that point. But while he's working and doing that, there are people who are following him and he's leading, but he's also waiting for others. But he does not let the waiting in others affect the work. He's never going to put this thing at the point of risk. Jesus is bigger than that. He knows. If he could entrust Judas with the kingdom... How much more do you think he can trust you? Knowing that you, on your bad day, still won't bring the kingdom to its knees. Judas, on his bad day, did not stop Jesus going to the cross. Yeah? So, are we awake? So, Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, brother of James, and led them up the mountain to themselves. There he was transfigured. Now, they're up on the mountain. They've made the journey. They're at the top, and this is now what he's shown them. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. This is not the same experience they had on the, on the, up the mountain. This is the experience they're having on the mountain. Does that make sense? Their clothes, his clothes became white as light. Just then there he appeared them, just before them, on this mountain, they seen Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I'll put up three shelters. In other words, Mancunian style, his bottle went. I'll put up one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was speaking, a bright, loud, uh, sorry, bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, Hey, boys, this is my son, whom I love. So they're hearing a different voice now. This is not the voice of the Mysterons. This is the voice of our father speaking. So they've heard Jesus' voice. They know what Jesus' voice sounds like, but there's a voice riding over the top. And he says, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to what? Follow me. Put down your nets. I'll make you fishers of men. Listen to that command. Don't let go of that command. It's basic. It runs through everything Jesus ever says to you. Boys, listen to my son. My son speaks his father's language. And when a cloud, so from the cloud, this is my son whom I love. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. I bet they did. 
And Jesus came and touched them and, and said, get up, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So, just very quickly. On that journey that you and I make on that Monday, when we hold his hands, he wants to show you his glory. There is no glory if you don't keep hold of him. If you don't keep your eyes on him, keep believing, trusting him, put your faith in him, how can he show you his glory? He could have said, I tell you what, boys, why don't you stay down at the bottom of the mountain and my dad will show you all this from above. No, because there's a journey that has to be made. Do you not think Jesus' light cannot shine that bright? It can go down to the mountain. Well, that's funny because when he comes back in the clouds, the whole world will see it or the whole church will see it. Stephen LED when he comes back. So the awakening of Jesus' glory that he had with his father at the beginning was now being revealed to them. These boys were getting a good front seat view of what goes on in the background. Secondly, they were awakened to the point where they saw the Old Testament saints, Moses and Elijah, dialoguing with Jesus. In other words... What he was showing his disciples was, boys, some of them have made it and now live beyond the veil. It's possible to go beyond the veil. They were there, in the presence, dialoguing with the Father. Now, have you ever wondered why Moses and Elijah did not speak to the disciples? They're on the mountain. They're talking with Jesus, with one another. But not, Moses and Elijah does not speak to Peter, James, and John. Jesus speaks to Peter, James, and John. Heaven speaks to Peter, James, and John. But Moses and Elijah don't speak. Why do you think that is? Well, they were given their moment to speak. They were given their moment. And Moses and Elijah was given their moment to speak in life. They were given their opportunity to influence and lead their fellow members. Their voices are a shadow. Their voices were a shadow that pointed to what was coming. So why do we, need now, why do we now need to hear the voice of the shadow when the substance is with us? Think of this. God does not want what was... He does not want you to hear the voices of what once was... He wants you to follow the one who is and is to come. Because he's given you the substance. We don't have type and shadow. We have the substance. What the Old Testament saints had, they looked forward and believed and eager expected. Now, each one of them caught glimpses. But you and I have the real thing. So he says, Moses and Elijah, I'm let, I brought them along, boys, just to show you that they made it. That the very, one, the very person that they pointed to, I'm here, and I identify with them. But they spoke of the shadow, but boys, here is the substance. So Jesus was the bridge between the shadow and the substance. Do you see this? But if you keep letting go, all you'll ever have is a shadow. Why do we need the shadow when we can have the light? Come on. 
It always amazes me when people go to listen to Bible teachers talk about the Old Testament. Now, what I'm going to say here, I'm not saying for one minute the Old Testament is not worth talking about. All things are useful. But when teachers only talk about what was the shadow and the symbol, if that's all they talk about, it's not helping me. I need to know the substance. So why not bring the two together? It's not one or the other. It's the two. Bring the whole Bible together. Does that make sense? So they were awakened to the Father's voice speaking, This is my Son in whom I love. If you are Saturday's child, Sunday's child, you need to hear that voice this morning. You are still my son. You are still my daughter in whom I love. But I am not pleased. Why am I not pleased? Because you have, you have drifted and you have shrunk back in your faith. When Jesus... When God, should say, when the father spoke that about his son, he was talking about the relationship they had. But as I speak to you, I'm talking about your relationship with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, though he loves you, if you are backslidden or you have, you recognize those, those transitions there from Monday to Sunday... If there's any of those stages that you identify with, I'm just letting you know that don't let it get to critical mass before you have to repent. The moment you recognize that you, there's distance, even if it's small, begin to make the journey quickly. Don't let the distance become between you and God so that you, can, you, you then struggle to hear his voice. Don't ever think because you come to church... That's you close with God. People go to all kind of events because they're interested. Doesn't mean to say that they're in love with it. So, in Hebrews 4.2, it says this. I'll finish with this. Because, as usual, there's a lot more I could say, but I won't. For we also have had the gospel preached to us. Just as they did. Who's they? Well, he's talking about the Old Testament people, kings, rulers, prophets, priests, all those who lived years before Paul when he writes in Hebrews. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Why was it of no value to them? Well, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. So did they hear it? Did they ever put their hands in the hands of Jesus, uh, in the hands of the, of the Father? No. All the time that message came, and all the time, from the moment we walked in this morning, from the moment Paul took the microphone, to the moment where I now take the microphone, the message is being preached. Worship was opening. The atmosphere, changing the atmosphere so that people would then begin to reach out and fellowship with, with Christ. But that window, that atmosphere has changed now because we're now into we're sitting down, we're listening. It's the same spirit still in the place. But the atmosphere is changing. 
And then afterwards, when the chairs are gone and we walk through the doors, you'll go back home and you'll go into another atmosphere. And then you'll sleep tonight and you'll wake up in the morning and the things that will be on your mind will be Monday's issues. But through the week, your atmosphere will change. And so will your spiritual condition. And as the point of that, if you can't hold your place and combine this message with faith, then Monday, what you start out on, you might not even start off Monday with your hands in his hands. Some people don't make it beyond the door. Seriously. Others do. They'll say, good, good, good morning this morning at church. What do you speak about? Oh, I can't remember. Go and figure that one. So if we don't learn to combine, how do we expect to keep hold of? Come on, be honest. God in his infinite wisdom and his infinite grace, church, he is putting his hands out to us and he is trying to awaken love. But you must keep it alive. You do it through relationship. You don't just do it from church because you spend more of your life outside of this place. You don't spend your life in church and neither should you. You have a life to live. But at the same time, if you can't hold what God is putting in your heart in this simple two hours that we're together, and if you can't carry that and combine it, then the message that you heard was of no value. Phil and I were talking yesterday, and he came up with a statement yesterday, and I thought it was a brilliant statement. For us to preach this message, there's a price. Right? The issue is not the price. The issue is, do you see any value? Value and price are two different things. Yeah? The price is this, but you might not value that. So you don't pay the price. The issue is, there's a price here we're paying to bring this message. But if it's of no value to you, then you will never combine it with faith. Oh, it's of great value to me. It's of great value to me. This is my life. This is my life. I made that decision a long time ago. I'm like you. I recognize in my walk with Jesus that on a Monday, I'm holding his hand. And sometimes I recognize by the end of the week, there could be a little bit of a distance. But how, if I don't recognize that distance, I can't make the journey to close the distance. And it's from time to time, there will be distance that's created. I accept that and acknowledge that. However, don't let it go beyond too far. At the point where you realize I can't get it back. Everything that we do and everything that we teach and preach and pray and prophesy is so that you can keep a hold of this word. But what I can't do and wouldn't want to do, don't want to do, shouldn't do, is live your life for you. You've got your life, I've got mine. And hopefully, we've got a life together. But if you live your life so independently that you're never together, then you've never combined what the rest of us are combining. Yeah? Because it's what we all, listen, it's what we all individually receive and hold on to that makes us a family. It's true. So, if I could ask you to just stand to your feet, please.
daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelle and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awake love until it so desires. Are you ready to have love awoken in you? That's the challenge to our hearts. Are we ready to have love truly awoken in our hearts? We, as a team, are constantly looking at ways that we can drill down to find out who is awake in this season. Who has been awoken in this season? To what degree are we awake? Or what degree are we asleep? What areas have we become desensitized in? We're trying to drill down into this area so that we can help you. We're coming for you. We're coming to a heart near you. Yeah? So when we minister, we want to be on point. We want to be hitting where you're scratching. We want to be healing where you're hurting. Yeah? So... This is why we constantly keep on, we're keeping on this theme because this is the theme of the Father. Do you remember this came to us in building the Spirit? The apple tree is a very, very significant place for us right now because it's under the apple tree where God wants to rouse you, awaken. So all we're trying to do is create an atmosphere in here for us to get under that tree, get the intimacy flowing again so where God can awake, stir, heal what he's got to do so that at that point, it says, under the apple tree, pregnancy took place. That's the time when God begins to plant new things inside our hearts once we're awake. Yeah? That's the, that's the, the point we're trying to get to. When we as a leadership can see the calves are leaping. The calves, who's the calves? You. Because you're so excited, you're leaping because there's new seeds of, of expectancy and faith and hope uh, uh, jumping inside you that you, you don't stop talking about it. Yeah? And then, because then we got to bring a different kind of ministry that holds you to the point of birth and how to birth it. So that you can start the process all over again. It's not a once thing. You can have as many seeds as you can carry. You can have as many births as you're capable of. And you can have as much love as you can handle. The truth, that is the truth. So let's just close our eyes, if we will. Respond to the Father, not me. Some of you may need to, this morning you may need to just, just, I'm going to ask you to calm down to the front because you know we haven't done an altar call and it's not that whether we have done it or we haven't this is the right thing to do at this right moment it's the time for you to then get back to the Lord and say Lord there's a distance between me and you and it's getting a little bit out of control it's like credit card debt you can't handle it you can't manage it you're losing control you've become numb you've become desensitized you are blamed shamed criticized, da-da-da, da-da-da, it's not the issue for me. The issue is for you to get before the Father and say, the Father's on that path and he's saying, stop shrinking back. Get up, continue to follow me, and you'll find my arms are open to you. But you must take responsibility and accountability for the distance that lies between you and I. 
If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you just to come out and you're going to, because it's going to helpful, it's helpful to you to move out of your seat and make a statement of faith, your own life. If you don't know Jesus Christ and you've heard us speaking, here's a great opportunity to find the love of God for your life for the very first time. You'll find Jesus Christ is there to love, forgive and change your life. He says, put down your nets. Put down your reasons, put down your flaws, put down all those things, put it down, and I will make you a fisher of men. I will make it, I'll change it, I'll do something new in your life. If that's you, I want you to give you the opportunity to know Jesus for the first time this morning. He's there waiting for you to receive him. And if you backslid or you're backsliding, then again, Jesus is here for you. All you've got to do is come out this morning. No one's going to shame you. No one's going to make an embarrassment of you. All you need to do is come out here and pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray. So as every eye is closed right now, if there's anyone who falls into those categories, let's just make this thing open for you this morning. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't, don't worry about what other people might think or feel. It's not about them. It's about you. It's about you. Can you move this one? Come on, well done. Come on, there's others. I know there's others this morning. That's why God's put this word in my heart. We're going to start that journey. You're not going to be Sunday's child. You're going to be Monday's child. Come on, come, come out, Doc. Come out, here. come a bit over there, sweetheart. Come on. Is there any Monday's child out there? Is there Tuesday's child out there? Is there Wednesdays, Thursdays? As the week goes on, it gets further and further. It declines. Come on, church, just raise your hands, holy hands, come on. Ralph, can you come and pray, play the keyboard for me, please? Just play. The heavens are open. There's a mighty river flowing from the heart of praise. You're saying, Lord, show me your glory. He wants to take you up on that mountain. He says, but to take you up on that mountain, you've got to keep hold of my hand. I'll show you things on the top of the mountain that you could never see on the bottom. Come on, is there anybody else out there? This is a great time to get your life right and in order. Come on, I, I encourage you to put your life right this morning with Jesus. This is a very, very crucial moment for us. God is stirring and awakening. Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was asleep. The Bible uses the word, he was asleep, meaning he was dead. And Jesus waited. He waited for two days. He didn't go immediately. Why? Because he waited for the right moment. And then he said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out of the grave. Come out of your dead position. Come out of your disconnected uh, position. And Lazarus began to come forth. A new life. And the people were astounded. Not so much more than Lazarus was. And the opportunity this morning is for you to come away. To come out of death and come into life. That's what happens when, when God awakens people. He takes the grave clothes off him. And he brings you into a place of life. But all he needs is you to say, Jesus, I want your love. Awaken my heart to this, this, this pursuit. I want to follow you like those disciples did. So you, get, you uh, folks at the front here, you should be calling out to the Lord. The Lord, everything that needs to be said has been said by me. What needs to be heard now is you. Acknowledge where you are with God and say, Lord, you know where I am on that road. 
Explain it, Ralph. Oh, Father. Come on, the rest of you who are either too scared to come out or you're in a good place, pray for the people who are stood here. There's still time for you to come out this morning. Come on. Some of you are holding back. I know it. I feel it in the spirit. You're holding back. And guess what? You'll stay. You'll stay Friday, Saturday, Sunday, child. You hold it back. You fight it. I don't trust you, Lord. I've been here before. Well, guess what? You'll keep coming back to this place if you don't learn the lesson. Oh, Father, right now, you've opened up the heavens. To you folks who are stood here, listen to the word that I'm going to speak over your life. You came to church today to hear one thing, but in you hearing one thing, God has spoken something different. God has spoke to you what you need to hear, not what you wanted to hear. What you needed to hear this morning was this. The one that you say you love is my son. And I am well pleased with my son. The one you fell out of love with or you've struggled with has been my son. So today, the Lord's, the Father speaks over you and he says, listen to my son. My son will show you what is in my heart. You'll never know the Father of, 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 you'll never know the Father of heaven if you don't learn to follow his son. Because the son points to his father. And he says he loves you. He loves you with a passion and intensity. And he wants you to receive the Father's love today. The Father's love to your life today is that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, for you and for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that you could know the son. And through the son, you would know the Father and you would have eternal life. So today, he says, put down your nets and learn to take the instruction, follow me, follow me. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. What you need now is help to keep your life in good order. Not just the forgiveness comes, but then to keep the distance minimal, you need others to help. Because the proof of distance means that in some areas you lack self-control and discipline. So your father forgives you. And today, know the forgiveness of the Lord upon your life. His arms are reached out to you, my child. Take the love and the restoration and the forgiveness that he's offering you today. Father, I pray, close the gap. Close the gap. Close the gap right now in Jesus' name. Pick up your cross, Doc. Begin to follow me again. Follow me again as you once did. Trust me. 
Keep following. Keep your eyes on me, darling. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Oh, right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. Right now. Lift up, David. Lift up your eyes. Look. Lift up those eyes. I'm not on the floor. I'm in, the, I'm, 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 I'm in front of you. I'm, it's, it's I who speak to you, says the Lord. Restore. Restore. Restore, Father, right now. Restore. Restore. Heal. Set free. Restore his mind. Restore his heart, O oh Lord. Lord, I pray, Father, right now for a fresh movement upon David's footsteps. I pray, Father, Lord, he'll be able to keep in step with the Spirit. I pray for a new movement. Freedom right now. Freedom right now in Jesus' name. New movements. In Jesus' name. Free. Be free in Jesus' name. Oh, right now. Restore. 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 Kuriabasatariana. Restore. 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 Right now in Jesus' name. Restore. Saramama Mariandoro Bobo Kurianda. Siria Baba Kurianda. Maria Baba Kurianda. God with us. God for us. Nothing. Nothing. Mm. Oh, mighty God, mighty God. That's it. Come on, pour out your heart. Come on, there's still people could come. Come on, come. I encourage you to come. Find your place at the altar this morning. Let love reawaken you. Come on, there's still time. Let love reawaken you this morning. Let love reawaken your heart this morning. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God, come on, put your heart right with the Lord. I encourage you to put your just life right with the Lord this morning. <laughs> maybe, there's maybe more out there. I'm not going to stop because I just know this is an important point in our church life this morning. It's an important point in your life this morning. Find your place in God this morning. Find your place in God this morning. Mm. Find your place. I want to encourage you to all open your mouth and begin to speak to the Lord. Let Him know exactly where you are. He knows, but he, he need, you need to speak so that He can come to where you are. It's your voice that draws the Lord. Oh, Father, right now. Mm. On, there's others, there's others, come on. God with us, God for us, nothing can ever change, oh yeah, no one can come between us. That's it, come on, nothing should stand between us, nothing, nothing should stand between us. Come on. God with us, knowing, yeah, 
and lift those holy hands in the church out there. I encourage you to lift your holy hands towards these people. These dear saints, lift up your holy hands towards them. Oh, mighty God. Lift up your holy hands. I'm going to come along and just pray for these people on the line now. Film punch. God the spirit of the Lord is over you the spirit of the Lord is upon you the spirit of the Lord is over you and the spirit of the Lord is upon you he comes to bring good news to you this morning to restore the sight of the blind to set the prisoners free I say the spirit of the Lord is over you and the spirit of the Lord is upon you this morning He's coming to set you, the prisoner, free. To restore the years the, the, the locust has eaten. The Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you right now. Respond to the Spirit. Respond to the Spirit. Listen to the words of this song as Paul reads out the words. Turn him up, Z, so we can hear him. Up, up. Hear what's being ministered. again. Paul. That's it. Well, there's fear, courage. Afraid. You're with me.
where there's death we arrest death this morning we, re- we arrest fear and prophesy courage over your life yes remember this week guys just hold on to this word let this word go deep in your heart keep it hold of it combine it with faith so that you don't become Sunday's child don't become Sunday's child become somebody's child amen we shouldn't be coming back to the point where I've had a hell of a week Lord restore me no hold your position you need help get help get it amen Amen. it's been a pleasure ministering this morning to you come on let's give the Lord a standing ovation (laughs) 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 (la